This is getting better and better. Tiago keeps me. Oh, oh, look who that is. Jason Hewlett. <laughs> oh, my is? goodness. <laughs> look at this guy. Miles this is guy. on this. What's going on? This yeah, is Jimmy. <laughs> Jason, you got a you got a full setup. Is this where you record all of your stuff? In his back. Yeah, the, I mean you got yeah, quite the, the one, background. The one behind me is where I, I record all the gigs. Like I had a gig today for okay. a, a bunch of real estate folks in Florida. So that was wow. cool. And uh, cool. what I'm what I'm on right now is just my normal desk where i sit and that's where i stand and do the headache virtual gigs <laughs> that's not a normal chair though what is that chair you're sitting on that's oh it's cool. like a like just like a gamer chair that's a gamer chair yeah. <laughs> if i'm not mistaken i have the exact same chair does it does it vibrate does it have the vibrating back thing no only when i get frustrated and i'm like <laughs> <laughs> No, only actually, when you no. Gyrate and vibrate. <laughs> only when I do my Ricky Martin. So, yeah, that man. looks a little more like Elvis to me. I don't know. That was my Elvis. Oh. There you go. Oh. Yeah. I well, we're, we're, we're loving. I'm loving the setup. Chair. Same game. I like your show. setup, what? you guys. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thanks oh, for man. coming on. What a, yeah, it's thanks great for to coming see on. You and hear you again. You too. What yeah, I miss you, man. Really excited. <laughs> I miss you guys. I was thinking about you, Miles. My family just went to New York. They're they're all there right now. My wife and sons. So I always think of New York. I think of you. I don't know what's that mean. Are you from there or what? Yeah, I'm from New York. I mean, I'm living in Ohio now, but like I, my roots are strongly rooted in New York. Okay, that's what I thought. I was just thinking about you the other day. I'm serious. When I sent them there, they're going to the Knicks game tomorrow night. Oh, that's good. So Ooh, yeah. and so. So it's funny, a good friend of mine um, who I met in Utah, who was the assistant coach for the Utah Jazz, got permission to get out of his contract. And now he's the assistant coach for the New York Knicks. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Johnny um, Bryant. So he's coaching the Knicks. So all this movement, you know, like 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 professional sports, when they do all these trades, well, I was traded to Utah. They were traded to New York. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Got a lot of well, roots. A lot of roots. We got a lot of old connections here, fellas. What a cool deal. Yeah, man. We well, do. I hope well, they're we having a great time in my up. town. <laughs> well, I'm excited to be on with you guys. What What's the topic tonight? Well, we're just going to talk about you. We're oh, excited yeah. to talk about you and your personal You are the evolution. topic. You are the man. We might How touch you. We might talk about Miles' hair because he's growing it out. So looks good. Oh, bro. just Miles. Now it's just Miles. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Steve and I have better. a deal to grow our hair out. <laughs> Is that a now thing? That it, I mean, I'm 45 what? and you're, how old are you? 63. 63. Yeah. Is, is that a thing at this age that we do that? Grow your hair out? No, to make a deal that we're going to grow our hair out because we did that. I, I just wonder if other people do that. Jason, have you heard of middle-aged men making a deal to grow their hair out? 
I think it's a thing, you know, it's like a younger guy growing a beard. It's kind of like a proof that we're still <laughs> virile or something. I don't know. Right, right. Well, I'm not sure if I'm still virile with the, my hair. Yeah, if I look at all the gray in my hair, my virility has dropped 100 <laughs> points. <Yeah. laughs> Standing uh, straight great. up, it looks good, Miles. Come on. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, but yeah, it, it is. I'm I had it. no idea I had so much gray. Like, I knew it was coming in. So Mine hopefully... I'm going to, uh, hopefully, if it gets long enough, I'm going to go back to the dreads again because I've often seen people with silver dreads and they look really good. Ooh, so, that would be good. Yeah, yeah, hopefully that's where I'm headed if I can tolerate the ugly phase that I'm going through right now. It looks good. Well, that's going to be our topics for tonight. Your hair and Jason Hewitt. So uh, with that, folks, we want to welcome you to another episode of the Evolve Podcast podcasting with hair in Oberlin, Ohio. Our resident intellectual himself is W. Miles Riley. Welcome, Miles. Whoa, thank you, Steve. Thank you very much. And in the mountains of Utah, I am Steve Cutler. Today's guest is a man who is going to inspire you and disrupt your soul to become a better person. We are really fortunate to have the entertainer himself, Jason excuse me, Jason Hewlett. Uh, having delivered thousands of presentations over two decades, Jason Hewlett is the only, only speaker in the world teaching leadership in a performance uh, of uncanny musical and comedy impressions, utilizing the legends of stage. The Promise is a keynote speech that feels like a show with proven processes and immediately implementable takeaways to transform your business and leadership skills. Jason is the author of a Facebook post entitled, I Saw My Wife at Target Today, which is still one of my favorite things I've ever read. <laughs> um, and that has been seen by more than 100 million people. Wow, that's amazing to think about. Uh, a recent and one of the youngest inductees into the prestigious Speaker Hall of Fame. His talks inspire leadership from the perspective of a promise while giving attendees an engaging, entertaining, and educational experience all in one. Jason Hewitt, welcome to the Evolve Podcast. What a joy to be here with you, gents. Thank you so much. <laughs> Old home week is what we call it. My old buddies here. What a deal. <laughs> well, and I, for those that don't know, Jason, we are going full circle tonight because you were my first co-host. I don't know if you recall this. The Fitness Truth. The Fitness Truth. What a horrible name. I was telling somebody about this the other day. And I said, I'm not sure why I came up with that stupid name, but um, I don't know what it was. 15 plus years ago. I had an oh, opportunity yeah. to get a radio show. And I'm sorry, so, but that's a great name. That's a great, oh, the fitness great truth. Name. That well, is a is great name. I disagree on most creative things that I make. <laughs> when, when I paint something, you tell me it's great and I hate it. But uh, anyway, Jason was my first well, that's because co host. You, it's because you hate yourself and I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I'll be right back. I, so Jason was my first co-host. He was, uh, I went to him and said, hey man, I've got this radio show. Um, I'm interviewing a few people, but I, I need somebody to uh, help out with it. And Jason was kind enough to to be my co-host for several months before I ended up uh, moving out of state and, and letting that go by the wayside. So Jason, I'm excited to have you back. We're going full circle here, but uh, instead of being the co-host, you're the guest tonight. 
What a deal. No, I mean, really, that was a fun gig for me, although that was hard because there were a couple factors in play. I was doing Friday night gigs every time before our oh. Saturday crazy morning early time schedule. And <laughs> yes. what, weren't we on at like six or seven or maybe earlier? I don't know. I We were on at seven or eight, but we had to get to the oh. studio sometime in the six o'clock hour to make sure we were set up and ready to go. That was hard for me because I was so busy. I was averaging 200 dates a year at that time and doing so many events throughout the week. And then Friday night up late, late, late. And I couldn't sleep really. I think you remember I had a bad case of insomnia from the creativity and the energy I'd give on stage. So then Saturday morning came and I'm like, here we go. Be funny (laughs) at 6 a.m. And then the other tricky part for me was that, you know, Steve, you know this and Miles too, you guys know. I've been up and down on my weight for years. And so being on a fitness truth was really kind of like this hypocritical feeling thing for me. But Steve, you always made me feel comfortable to be there like the chubby co-host or whatever I felt like at the time I called (laughs) myself the fatness truth. (laughs) I I do think, yeah, I think you called yourself the chubby (laughs) co-host. I was. was You you weren't, you weren't chubby by any stretch. And hey, it was radio. Nobody saw. Yeah, us. it was nobody saw. I was the I do have a face for radio, that's what we said and it was perfect. Yes. So, no man, yes. it was a great honor to be a part of that with you and how fun to have the guy who was training me also allow me to be his co-host. That was a cool time, man. It was a fun time. Uh, you were a great client and uh, a great friend and a great co-host. Uh, so we're excited to have you on. I want to I want to dive into your personal evolution. Um, Jason, over the years, you have done so many different parts of entertainment. You know, you started out doing some musical impersonations. You spent some time in Legends and Concert. And it's been a blast for me to sit and watch your evolution over the years. My question for you is, how have you gone through and reinvented yourself so many times? Well, for those that aren't aware what Legends and Concert is, That's a show in Las Vegas where you get to pretend through impersonation to be somebody else. So my career began with Ricky Martin and Elton John, where I would dress up as both of them, sing like them, look like them, actually pass as them for this great show. And in fact, I had some of your former uh, guests as well as trainers uh, like Mindy Buxton and others that have just, yeah. and, and, and uh, Casey Ruff. And Casey Ruff. and so some really amazing people that have helped me to stay in shape through the years. But I'll tell you, going through these transitions through the years, whether it was starting as the impersonator of Ricky Martin and Elton John, to then creating a one-man show of about a hundred impressions, to then moving into the space as an MC a master of ceremonies for events. And then eventually as a keynote speaker, which I am now, obviously I implement all of the pieces that still work within teaching and effectively training people how to find their voice, how to keep their promise and their share their signature moves. But the evolutionary process has been a challenging one, but it was something that I really wanted to do from the get go. I, I know when you and I started speaking, Steve, I was blown away at how many books you were always reading, at at the philosophy that you knew, at the leadership that you had under your belt, and I did the same. So people were surprised that I had that in my entertaining realm. So to add Mm. it all together makes it quite a unique experience, but certainly where I always wanted it to go is where I am now. I like how you brought up Signature Moves. That was the title of your first book, correct? 
Yeah, good memory. Yeah. I remember years ago we were talking and I think one of the things that uh, always stuck out to me, Jason, is when you said that uh, it was really hard for teachers or leaders when you were young to understand why you did what you did. Uh, you were unique in your personality and your the faces that you could do, the impersonations, and but yet you stuck with it. You said, this is who I am and I'm going all in. And you started a career off of making faces and <laughs> making people laugh and doing things that people don't normally do to make a living. And I think that's really unique because you took the thing that you were most brilliant at in the world at the time and started a career. And I don't think a lot of people have the courage to do that. So talk a little bit about the courage that it took to just lean in and do the things that you did. And did you know you had it? That, I think that's the, mm -hmm. the, the, the big question. question is, you know, as a kid, you really don't know what that is, but you just keep forging ahead. If you're the class clown who ends up years later as like a famous comic or anything, you know, you don't, you don't know that you're exhibiting this kind of stubbornness of like, this is what I do. Like, how did you know? Where did you get it? That's beautifully said, Miles. And thanks for asking the question as well, Steve, because, you know, the, the teachers in school were just like, what do we do with this guy? And right. it was a teacher here and a teacher there, Mr. O'Loughlin in third grade, who said, hey, you need to stop doing Pee Wee Herman, you know, because I was like, <laughs> hello, <laughs> hello, everybody. And they're like, that's illegal at the elementary school. <laughs> It'll get you kicked oh. out. Yeah. Then, then he was like, Hey, look, you're the leader of the class. And I was like, I'm not the leader. He said, no, you are. Cause you can make everyone laugh. You can control all the people. So mm. just be a partner with me. And it was very few and far between to have teachers like that. And it wasn't truly until I, uh, I had a teacher named Mrs. Hall who discovered me in high school. And obviously I did ninth grade twice because everybody needs an encore, but I'll <laughs> tell you, <laughs> when That's i did my second year yeah, of ninth of grade night. i'm remembering that second year of ninth grade was interesting because eventually i found out i had the dream of being a basketball player i wanted to be in the nba i wanted to be the next john stockton and i was pretty good i eventually became all state had a full ride to byu i was doing pretty good but then was discovered for my singing a friend of mine named Quinn Dietlein, whose family runs the Hale Center Theater in Utah, uh, he heard me singing and he said, hey, man, you're a singer. So I started singing out loud. And then Mrs. Hall heard me singing in the hall. And I tell the story that she heard me and she pulled me into the classroom and said, I need more men in this class. What can you do? What can you do with your voice? I heard you in the hall. And I was like, Christmas, Christmas time is me. Time for a thousand, time for two. <laughs> and she was oh, like, Lord. that's not normal. But she said, <laughs> you have a gift. And it, it was it was quite interesting, as Miles asked, you know, with the, are you the class clown? How do you discover that's unique? Miles, that's when I realized it was kind of unique, that a teacher would pull me out of the hall for my voice. And then realizing I could do these faces that, you know, were really unique and that I could share them. It wasn't until I went to Brazil for a mission trip for two years, right after high school, that I realized, oh, worldwide, my faces and my voices and all the things I can do are unique. It helped me get into doors. It helped me to make a difference. And that's when I came home from Brazil as a 21-year-old and said, 
I'm going to Vegas. I'm going to go for this. It was a you gritty, gutsy thing. Flexibility. You had face flexibility. <laughs> Can you imagine, Miles, if you're sitting there in Oberlin, Ohio, and Jason Hewlett knocks on your door to talk to you about religion, and he does some of those faces? Are you letting him in? Yeah, I am, pretty much. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think most because, people would, because it's funny. Be- yeah, because most people would not make that face. So I go, my man, come in. Are you hungry? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's so funny. And you know, that's what happened is I would I would be like, hey, we'd love to tell you about our, you know, about a great message. And they were like, we've already heard from you guys. And I was like, well, you haven't seen this, you know. And then they're like, come in. <laughs> and and oh, to your point, amazing. Miles, that's when I found out, yeah, this is worldwide. I am a unique person. And the fact yeah. that a majority of kids, once they become adults, are done sharing their gifts that make them unique, whether it's funny faces, silly voices. I, I thought, this is my thing. I got to lean into it because math and science and English didn't make sense. So why not the faces? Well, it's I, I like how you said that, that when we become adults, oftentimes people do give up the thing that is really unique about them. We get into a job and we go along with life and many parts of us that make us unique and different, we let go by the wayside. And that's sad in my, from my perspective, but you were able to latch on to that. And I'm sure it's not an easy process. In fact, I know that you and I've had conversations over the years about some of the challenges that it's taken to do what you do and then continue to evolve. Not only have you leaned in to where your brilliance is, but you've also held very uh, very strong to values. Uh, you are the funniest, cleanest uh, artist that I've ever seen. Most of the time, if you watch a comedian or you see a show, uh, there's a lot of explicitives, there's uh, dirty jokes, they're all over the place. And uh, I, I can't remember what you said, but you, uh, at one point about that it's a lot harder to be an extremely funny, clean comedian than it is to just fall down the path of being, uh, going the other direction. So talk about how you've held true to values that you feel like are important as you continue to evolve. Well, thanks, think, Steve. That's a huge compliment. That Go ahead, Jason, because I'm Jason. And the reason why he can maintain that is because he's never done that. It's pretty simple. <laughs> if you've never been dirty, you're not going to start being dirty. You're just going to be who you are. And he's managed to turn who he is into an art form. I think I've answered that perfect for Jason. Next question. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Hewlett. <laughs> that was way better than what I was going to say, Miles. I'll, I'll let Miles take it from here. I like I'm a better, the voice. I'm too. a better you yeah. than you. Yeah, good. Good. Yeah, you know, Miles hits it on the head, I think. I mean, it goes back to the foundation that I was raised with, the culture, as well as the expectation from family. You know, I have a very strong faith and religious background, but that doesn't necessarily mean the only reason as to why you would do that. It, it becomes eventually a piece of you that you say, this is my calling card. This is the signature yeah. move that I'll be known for. And yeah. can I share that and still make a living? Can I still make a place for myself? And, you know, Steve, as I went through the ranks of finding out what works, hey, I tried a lot of stuff. I mean, I was doing... Mm. Michael Jackson impression that was inappropriate and I eventually was turning the corner to what was the best for a family to watch. Uh, I had some really harsh experiences through my youth and I share them in my book, which is called the promise to the one. Mm -hmm. And some of those experiences shaped 
how I was going to perform from then on where, where people would say, Hey, you know, better than that. You don't have to do it that way. You need to choose which side you're on. And it's not to say that I don't uh, honor, acknowledge and admire some of the great comedians, whether they do it in a, you know, blue manner, or if it's as clean as can be, I, I admire all art, but for myself, it's about what I want to project to the world, what I want to leave as a legacy for myself. And that was an easy decision once I finally came to it as a, you know, as a late teen saying, oh, I'm going to do this in a clean way and this will work. And guess what? I found my niche. The niche was not that I'm going to be wide and mainstream. The niche was corporations. Corporations need somebody clean to come in, do comedy, do music, do entertainment. Now doing leadership mixed with all those things. They've never seen anything like it. It's almost like Mr. Rogers met uh, Robin Williams or something. And they're like, this is so cool. And so finding <laughs> your niche yeah. <laughs> or maybe yeah. Jim Carrey and Billy Joel had a baby. You know, I don't know what it, I am, but I'll tell you doing what I've done is very simple in terms of establishing for yourself what your foundational beliefs are, and then just carrying forward, being, being courageously yeah, you. Was, yeah. It would seem like, you know, the thing about the comic sensibility the comic sensibility from things that I've understood and, and learned in the past is that um, regardless of what the sensibility is, no matter where it is, it will find the humor. So if you come from a place where everything is kind of dirty and downtrodden, you will find humor there. If you come from a place where, you know, I could, you guys have both been, or you are still a Mormon and Steve, you've been a Mormon, but I can imagine that somewhere at, in, you know, in, on a Sunday at church, there's some kid who's a clean cut Mormon kid who's seeing some humorous stuff and it's not coming out dirty. He's just seeing the humor and that's mm. his environment, his temperament. And if he doesn't succumb to the pressure of say coming out of the church and saying, somebody saying, well, you know, you need to be dirty. If he can still find a way, he or she can stand or find a way to stand by their guns because they know they're seeing humor and they believe it because of most humor is about what you believe when you're talking. And if they find that, then they are on the path of being true to their vision of what they've seen, I guess. That's well said, Miles. Very, very yeah. uh, philosophically well said. And, you know, I love leaning into the stereotypes of where I'm from. I play into it and it's, it's a great bit. You're ready for my, my funniest bit that I share with audiences as the guy from Utah. This is what, this right, is the bit. Go. It goes like this. I go, I'm like, say I'm in New York and I'm like, Hey, you guys, you're assuming since I'm from Utah that I must be a skier. And they laugh. And then I say, I'm just kidding. I don't ski, but my wives do. And, dude, yeah, that that's great. and then I yeah, say, I'm awesome. just kidding. I don't ski, but uh, my wives, you know, they're, they're, they're all skiers. And so these people go nuts over these stupid lines and I'm just playing into the stereotype. And then I shift their brain and say, okay, if you're a salesperson, if you're an IT guy and people have a certain stereotype or belief about you, how can you change that for somebody? Because a lot mm. of you would think that a guy from Utah can't make you laugh. A guy from Utah is not allowed to be entertaining and do voices and as the skies are blue, clouds are white, the bright blizzard day, the dark sacred night. And they go, 
that guy's funny. Is that possible? Yes, it is. If we're willing to share our gifts and our talents, we can change the stereotypes, the signature moves and the promise that we share with everybody. Well, you just doing black that. voice. He just did black voice. You just going to new one on the podcast. There's no more black face. It's now black voice. <laughs> oh shit, dude, that is so funny. Isn't it? Uh, interesting? Isn't Jason it interesting? Jason Hewitt just got canceled by Miles. Yeah, he just got canceled. He's doing black voice. Isn't it interesting? <laughs> you don't get. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you don't get in trouble for black voice, but you get in trouble for black face. Yeah, that's Holy right. Smokes, uh, that is so funny, dude. That's, and you that's know what? The second line of the night. I like. That. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure that's gonna be a thing someday. I, I bet you it could it probably be. Will. That would be that'd be really sad because you know, the thing that's interesting is if we go back to the '60s, Sammy Davis Jr., a right. black man who was Jewish from New York was the first black man to do impressions of white people. And right. that was a big controversy. But yeah, I remember, now, yep. I remember now you that. look, yep. yeah, now you look at it and it's like, is that going to come back around where, where I can nail a voice of some incredible unforgettable. That's what you are. You can't do Nat King Cole. I hope that that never happens, Please, but it may. E don't I even so point too. us I in that so. direction. <laughs> Hey, hey you it's your fault. Up, Miles. It's your yeah. fault. Point us I'm in that direction. This is your fault here, Miles. Your fault. <laughs> because okay, you we're, remember we're Billy out. Crystal. Billy Crystal pretty much nailed many voices. Oh, <laughs> oh Billy yeah, was amazing. True. He did. He, he was imagine, imagine being so good that at Muhammad Ali's funeral, you're doing an impression that's right. of him. That's pretty that's right. <laughs> right. That's I pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but Jason, you, you talk a lot about signature moves. Uh, tell our listeners what you mean by that. You know, signature moves is your personal brand. It's what you're known for. Michael Jackson's moonwalk, Michael Jordan's tongue sticking out when he's going to hit a shot to win the game. It's that thing that you're known for. And I teach it in my, my talks about how uh, there's a process to discovering your signature move. So if yeah. your listeners are wondering how they can discover theirs, if you don't already know it, I mean, it, you know, it could be the, the red shirt you wear or the way your hair curls. I mean, it's the way that Elvis Presley did his dancing and his lip curl, all that yeah. kind of stuff with performers. Mm. What about you as a leader? What's your, what's your signature move in leadership? So I, I yeah. say it's called the ICM process, identify, clarify, magnify. If you can identify your gifts and talents and skills, you clarify it with others. You can then magnify your promise with your signature moves. Yeah. Yeah. I guess what a sometimes beautiful way also, to describe it. Sometimes other people recognize your signature moves because you're so busy doing them. You don't realize it's a signature move. And some other people will say, hey, you know, you do this a lot. And if you have the conviction of yourself, you go, oh, maybe I can play with that. I, I know like the Eddie Murphy laugh. There's three of them that have always been fun to me. Four, the Eddie Murphy laugh. I, I don't know if you guys have ever picked up whenever Tom Cruise do, does a movie, they tell him you have to run. And run. Sydney, yeah. Sydney yeah. Pollack actually um, picked up on that when you watch interviews with Sydney Pollack and him working with Tom Cruise. The Tom mm -hmm. Cruise run, the Eddie Murphy laugh. Jack Nicholson will always be asked to do a monologue where he's telling a woman about herself. <laughs> mm. I don't know that one. I know the yeah. other two. Women mistake is not did they do it on purpose. <laughs> well said, Miles. And you know what, Steve? Um, 
the, the fact is, is that we usually don't recognize it in ourselves at all. And that's why mm-hmm. the identify right. process is for us to just self-assess. But the clarify process is when you ask the people that you trust the most. So yeah. asking your friends, your coworkers, your your spouse, your, your children. I mean, whomever that might see something in you, you don't see in yourself. That's why I share that Mrs. Hall story where I was singing in the hall. That was my yeah. clarification moment and allowed me to discover my signature moves. Jason, why do you think, as you've worked with people through this process, you've taught this, you wrote a book about it. Why do you think it's so difficult for people to identify, clarify, and then magnify their signature moves? Yeah, the problem is what Miles said. You don't see it in yourself. And even if you did, you wouldn't notice that it's a strength. You just think it's natural that you're, you know, gifted like yourself at being a a host and a leader, because that's just what you are, Steve. And, and Miles, you know, always making everyone feel comfortable, life of the party, hilarious, and yet Mm -hmm. philosophically deep. I mean, I remember the first time meeting Miles at the, the fitness center, their lifetime. And I was like, this guy, I mean, who doesn't want to hang out with this guy? You know, that's a signature move, you know, everyone just, and everyone could hear him laughing through the whole place. And same with you, Steve. I mean, you've got just this leadership capacity that is just knocks people out. Like people will follow you. And I remember the first time I met you, I said, I I will do what this guy tells me to do for my fitness, but also for my mind, for my spirit. Like you just, you just got it together, man. And People don't understand that in themselves because we do it natural. We're too close to it. It's hard to see in ourselves when we live with it every single day. So I'm with you. I I agree. Um, It's that clarification process then. I think if we can identify something and then we clarify it with other people and and people uh, can give us that feedback, then it does allow us to magnify it. Talk a little bit more about the magnification. Uh, What is it that you recommend that people do when they work to magnify those areas? Yeah. I mean, uh, this is what's cool about it. So if you want to have your people go to a website, it's icmprocess.com and what they can get at icmprocess.com allows you to actually see me doing a video of what it looks like after I've done a presentation for the audience. And I'm saying, Hey, here's a worksheet that you can work through it. You can also get my book there as well. But here's the thing about ICM process is that I'm going to identify whatever I can. I challenge the audience to try to do a hundred of them. That's very difficult. Mm-hmm. Most people can't even write five things they're good at. But if mm-hmm. I said, Hey, write down t- uh, 10 things you're bad at. They're like, Oh, I got 20. And so this is just ah. shifting our mind to what we're good at naturally. And then the clarify process is where you're going to reach out to your peers. And I've actually created some email templates that people can get on that website as well emails that actually say, can you help me to clarify for myself, my gifts and talents? So you're not leading any of the words. They're going to give you words you've never thought of before. Like when I did this with my wife, I said, what are some of my talents and gifts? Cause I think I'm a funny guy. I'm a good speaker, like just kind of surfacey stuff. When she clarified for me, you're thoughtful. Mm. I really like how deep you're willing to go as far as with the words you say and the things that you do for our family. That changes the way I look at myself and how I show mm-hmm. up for everybody. And that's how I magnify mm-hmm. my yeah. gifts. Yeah. yeah, what a beautiful perspective. Talk yeah. about the promise. You, When you have identified, clarified, and magnified, 
What's the promise? Yeah, the promise is once you've done that, uh, identify, clarify, magnify process. Now it's your promise to share those gifts. I mean, you could, if you had 10 signature moves that you've identified and said, this is what I'm about. Now I'm going to drill down and share and utilize those throughout my life. So as I've identified mine throughout my life, whether it was, I am a writer and then people clarified for me that I'm a good writer. Then I was like, now I'm going to write a book. And so that was a part of magnifying my promise, keeping the promise to myself. Same with, I think I'm funny, but people have clarified for me that I can be hilarious in a clean way. Then now I'm going to create a show. I'm going to create some content online on social media. That's going to make you laugh. But then to have myself think to, you know, I've always thought maybe I'm not that smart because I was held back and all these things, but people have clarified for me and said, you know, you're kind of like a stealth philosopher. And so then I'm inserting that into my, my social media posts. If you read my social media, you'll most likely laugh. And then you'll also think, and that's how I magnify my promise. And so for your listeners, as you identify it and clarify with others, magnifying your promise is truly something you can do with your customers, with your brand, with your company, with your team members, with your family. Imagine knowing how to identify, clarify, and magnify for your children. Yeah. Now you're, now you're setting them on a path where they're going to discover more and more of their greatness earlier in life. And then they can share that with the world to magnify their promise. It's a beautiful thing. It's funny that you're saying that because mm-hmm. just as you were talking the whole time, I'm, I, I literally started thinking, how do I filter this down for Tiago? Yeah. That's my son. He's 13. And I'm literally, my mind, as you were talking, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking about us at the dinner table and crafting it in a way that he understands that. It was really interesting you started saying that because I automatically went right to my son thinking, how do I do this? How do I do this? Mm-hmm. If Miles, if you sat down with Tiago and you're like, hey, what are you good at? Uh, you know, he's 13 years old. He'll say nothing. I mean, he might right. be like video games or whatever. <laughs> but like, if you as a parent can clarify for him by saying, you know, yeah. I, I talked to your teacher. Your teacher says you're a leader in the class how are you leading? And he's, you know, he finally realizes I am a good listener or I'm just really obedient or I just care about everyone in the class. Just like my dad would. I mean, man, this becomes this wonderful moment with your child where you become this legendary leader and mentor for them and create mentor moments. It's beautiful. Yeah. That's brilliant. I just wrote that down. Go to his teacher and ask, what is my son good at? Yeah, it's probably one of the best gifts that you can give a child because uh, to your point, Jason, when a, when a child's very young, they don't know what their strengths are. I mean, they almost have no awareness of how they are relative to everybody else. I mean, if you're tall and you can play basketball or if you're funny and you can make a few people laugh, maybe there's something that stands out. But there's going to be very few things that kids will say, I'm really good at this. Why Why the promise? What, what's uh, Why not just say, hey, this is... Now you've identified, clarified, now go magnify that. Where does that word promise come from? Where did you come up with that? That's a very nice question of you. Uh, I was working on something called the three commitments, actually. Mm. And commitment is a word that's used quite a bit, whether it's the accountability talk or whatever else. And I had just finished 
going viral with my post about my wife, where I saw her at Target and I wrote on Facebook, this was in 2015, I wrote that I think I cheated on my wife today. Let me explain. And it was because I saw her at Target and I didn't realize she was there. We went in independent cars of each other and I saw a beautiful blonde and went, whoa. And then I went, oh, that's my wife. Hello. <laughs> so I, I wrote about how I fell in love with my wife again, how I saw her with fresh eyes and realized the light she is in my life. And that's how the promise was born. Um, and so we came up with the word promise because nobody in corporate was using that word at all. People would use trust or accountability or ownership or commitment. And then I started to think, you know, what about, what about goals? Because Steve, I know you're a goals guy. I mean, hey, I've seen you become a bodybuilder in, you know, a couple of weeks. I mean, you do some crazy goal stuff. And then I thought, how many sales events are they talking about goals? And then I thought, wait a minute, why set a goal and we can make a promise? Hmm. I mean, not to say goals aren't important, but if I set a goal and I miss it, I just set another one. But if I yeah. make a promise and I yeah. break it, that's a one and done. So what are the non-negotiables? What are the sacred goals that become our promises? And I like to say it in this sense. I say, look, if you don't think there's a difference, goals are particulars or promises or proclamations. We can still set goals and achieve them, but what if we proclaim we're going to do something every day that becomes our promise? And mm. I, share it this, I share it this way. I say, here's the difference between a goal and a promise. A man and a woman are standing in front of a priest about to get married. Priest looks at the woman and says, do you promise to be faithful to this man? And she says, I do. He looks at the man and says, do you promise to be faithful to this woman? And the guy says, well, I set a goal. <laughs> Not strong enough. <laughs> Not strong enough at all. Yeah. She wants a promise, man. And I don't care what your goals are for our interaction, for our engagement experience. I want your promise. I want you to promise me you'll be there. You'll show up for the podcast at the right mm -hmm. time. I want you to promise me that you're going you're gonna to help me be safe or give me the best uh, interaction and experience when we connect. You're going to be present when we go to dinner instead of being on your phone. Mm -hmm. So this whole thing is about hashtag be present, hashtag give 100%. This is all of what, what it's all about. It's a promise. And we promise ourselves to do that. I would never set a goal in the morning and be like, Today I set a goal to be more present. I'm going to fall apart through the day. But if I yeah, make a promise yeah. and say, nothing's going to stop me from being present with my kid. When he comes home, I'm not going to just keep typing on the computer. I'm going to turn all the way around, stand up, give him a hug, fully present, simple promise, but it makes a difference. I love what you said. Promises or proclamations because a proclamation is something where you are proclaiming to someone else. It's not just, I mean, it, it really is a memorialization of a commitment that you will keep, not just something that you're striving for, you're hoping for. You are saying, whatever it takes, I'm going to make this thing happen. Well, so. you know, the interesting thing is when you make a promise, when you start to feel like you're about to violate that promise, you feel it viscerally in your body. Mm. You feel it. It becomes this part of you like, Okay, and, and you know, you could catch yourself and try to get back on track, but you, you initially feel it viscerally. It's something that's physical when you feel like 
you're about to violate a promise. Not that yeah. I've violated a lot of promises. I, <laughs> I heard this out there. <laughs> hey, Here speaking comes of the which, philosopher. Buddy, you owe me 50 bucks. You remember you promised me that you were going to give it to me. That's the, that's the new t-shirt. Miles. That's yeah. the shirt. Stealth philosopher. That's it. That's the t-shirt. Stealth philosopher. That's there it is. Philosopher. I love that. And you know what? I love how you said that. Viscerally, you feel it because. Yeah, you do. It, yeah. Here's what happens. When we proclaim our promise, that then becomes this sacred thing to us. And it yeah. becomes a part of our our being it be, it's what we're becoming like a human becoming right and so right. when we all of a sudden say to ourselves i'm going to do this and i don't then there's an incongruence in our harmony i say right. that our That's... integrity is our harmony mm. yeah. and so if, if our incongruence between what we say and what we do if i'm one person on stage but i'm different off stage there is a there is a dissonance in the balance of the universe mm -hmm. in that right. moment and i hate myself for it and so that's why we call it the promise to the one. That's why the book is the promise to the one. The one is yourself. The one mm. is the one is you. I don't, I'm trying to get the lighting right. The one is you. And so when you think about yourself, what promises are you making or breaking to you? Whether mm -hmm. it's, you know, you say to yourself the night before, I'm going to wake up at 5 a.m. and be like Steve Cutler and go jump in an ice bath and do my meditation or uh, you know, I don't know what you're doing these days, but you know what I'm saying? Like, like, <laughs> but you know I, what I've done. Yeah. Yeah. I make that promise that I'm going to do that. And when I don't, I say, gosh, how can I fulfill this promise? How can I keep it? It's just a matter of self-assessing and say tomorrow. Can I make a promise like that to myself? Yeah, I'm going to do it. A lot of this message really is self-forgiveness and it, what, what a what great perspective about. though. It's the promise that you make to yourself every day. I was talking to somebody about this. Uh, today, actually, that uh, I wake up every day, 4.45, and I'm out of bed and getting ready to go to the gym. And they say, wow, you're really dedicated or you're really disciplined or something like that. And I said, I'm actually not. I don't know that it's about dedication or discipline. I just promise myself that when my alarm goes off, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to the gym. Whether I feel horrible, like last week, uh, work was so busy. I was so tired. I walked in the gym. I did a few sets of a few different exercises. I looked around and thought, I'm exhausted. And now I'm going home. And so my promise was to get there. And I said, when I get home, because I'm not feeling well, I'm going to go for a walk. And I did. And I made it about a half a block away and thought, now I kept my promise. I'm going to go lay down. <laughs> and so one day out of, I don't know how many, 30, 40, that I went to the gym Turned around 10, 15 minutes later and came home. I'm okay with that because I kept my promise. Now, Jason, one of the things when you, we talk about you being a stealth philosopher, I love how you use comedy and I love how you use humor to then teach. I, I look around and I don't spend much time watching news. I don't read the newspaper very often. Um, I definitely don't watch newscasts. But I see on social media where there's a divisiveness and people want to fight and argue. And I think we've lost some sense of humor. I think we've lost some levity. Um, and I, I'm a big believer that comedy and humor needs to be a massive part of our life because we frankly just shouldn't take things so seriously. Talk a little bit about how you're utilizing comedy to get a message across. Oh, that's a good question. I mean... I think it's on the perspective of the way that we choose to see the world. 
And so I choose to see it in a, in a more of a joyful way, but I could also go dark humor way, you know? Mm. And so mm. if, if, if I say something that somebody else is thinking, but they would never say, then it really, it really hits. I think, mm-hmm. you know, Miles is really good at this actually. <laughs> like, like he can go, he can kind yep. of bring you this way. And then all of a sudden it's like dark humor and, and it's not, I'm not saying dirty. I'm just saying you're like, Oh, that's a little morbid, but that's totally true. And that's hilarious. <laughs> and so <laughs> like, so I say it like this. Um, let's say you're sitting on an airplane and you're, you're starting to go down, you know, like the plane is going down and whether it's a lightning or engine failure, is that funny? No, not really. But I can start to think to myself, you know, I can have a thought for me. Do I have, uh, did I up the life insurance, you know, and if we go down, (laughs) does that double my fee if I survive as a speaker, you know, like like just morbid thoughts. But then I also say, uh, as, as I'm laughing about it, thinking, oh man, this is, this is sad that we're going to die. I also then spin it into the promise and say, have I fulfilled all of the promises that I said that I would in terms of my promise legacy projects, meaning the things that I may not ever get paid for, the things mm-hmm. that I want to leave to my family and that would live on past me. And that's where writing a book and doing it the way that I did, or um, even the podcast that I'm eventually going to start, Steve, Miles. I applaud you for keeping that promise to do a podcast like this so consistently, because I'll tell you, most of them fall apart after episode 10, you know that, and you guys are cranking it through. And one of my promises is to start one. I haven't yet. I've been so busy. I can give myself every excuse, but I think if the plane goes down, I'm going to be like, why did I never do that? And so the question is, how can we laugh about our faults and equally keep a great promise to ourselves to do what we say we're going to do. You know, what's interesting like, is I just, I just saw visually, I saw that I saw the plane going down. I see a bunch of people scrambling, screaming, people are going to go, we're going to die. We're going to die. And Jason is calmly sitting in his chair. He's writing. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's writing. He's writing. He's smiling. He's just, he's, uh, the he's promises, expressions. the will. I'm yeah. just writing. <laughs> Yeah, That's exactly what it would be. That's actually happened to me before. Um, When I was in Afghanistan performing for the troops, we were being shot at by Al Qaeda or whatever they were called back then, the Taliban. And and they were shooting at our helicopter. And I was in the helicopter with Dan Clark, who's a great speaker, Dean Mm. Kalin, Mm -hmm. who's a very famous music producer, and David Archuleta, who had just come home from his mission in Argentina. And we were flying from one base to another to perform for the troops and bring them joy. And they were shooting at us from the mountains in Afghanistan, and we were returning fire. And I remember thinking to myself, as as I was filming it with my GoPro going, hey, I hope the GoPro survives. I was, I was, (laughs) I, I thought to myself, literally, I thought this, I never thought I'd be in a position where if this helicopter crashes and we all die, I know the headline in the paper. It's going to say, David Archuleta and others perish. And you're the others. <laughs> I am the others. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> and you just what have to laugh person. about the morbidity of the reality of what we're going through and see the humor in it. I think it's important for our own sanity. I, I agree. And and I think there's, uh, 
I think it was Mark Manson when he, in his book, uh, um, uh, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. He talked about how the, as soon as you accept that there are things in life that you can't do anything about and that you almost accept the more, the morbidity of life and the humor of life, life becomes much better as soon as we lean into that. And so I yeah. like how you're talking about this. If we do, if we lean into that, then we're going to be in a spot where it's, Place of peace. Um, yeah, you're in a place peace of peace with it, right? As as Robert Duvall said in uh, that movie, he said, "You either fight or surf." <laughs> mm. <laughs> Apocalypse so, Jason, now. How do, you, how do you get people to? How do you get people to lean into that humor? Because I think it's easy for people. I mean, we're in a society now where uh, anxiety and depression run rampant. Um, problems, challenges, I think have been very forefront in people's mind, especially with the pandemic, with job changes, with all of the economic difficulties and just the disruption of life. I think people have had a really hard time over the last couple of years and my heart goes out to them. Um, how do you, how, how do you lean into the humor? What do you tell people? Well, that's a very good question, Steve. And I'll tell you what, I'm a big time journaler. I write in my mm. journal faithfully. That for me is a really nice self-assessment tool. You know, when we eat something poisonous, like, uh, you know, food poisoning, and we don't realize it until it hits our stomach and we need to throw up, it's better to throw up and to get it out and to just yeah. move forward. And so that's what I do with the journal. If things are bad, I just write them out until I get to a place of gratitude. So get the crap out and then write the gratitude. And then there's another thing, fitness to me, is one of the most powerful tools in our lives. When we keep a promise to go outside, to get some sunshine, I, I'll tell you, I'm even happier when I'm running in the rain or the snow and in the dark, mm -hmm. because I'm like, yeah. I did it. I kept a promise to me. And so I can honestly say that those people that are suffering with anxiety, with depression, uh, obviously, I, I feel for them. I'm, I'm sorry for them. I hope they get the right treatment and the medication they need. Equally, it comes down to how can we make and keep the right promises to ourselves? Because there might be people listening and they might say to themselves, I don't like this guy. I don't like promises. I don't like that word. I've had too many promises broken to me that have ruined my life. Hmm. But I like to say that everything wrong in your life is because you didn't keep a promise to yourself. That's yes. not to say yeah. that this, it's not to say that the circumstances around us are all perfect. Hey, you could have had a mom that was abusive and you could have a job that falls apart and you're, you're losing everything, but it's how we choose to live from here on out. It is all in that perspective. You know, it's yeah. interesting you say that because I also, I had this really interesting experience today and, you know, so, so many of the threats are existential in nature, they're not practical. Like, so I got up today and normally when I get up, I meditate and do certain things before I get going. But for some reason I was laying in the bed, turned on uh, my computer, turned on CNN and read all of these, you know, headlines, you know, about, you know, the election, Trump, Biden, uh, COVID. And I read all this stuff. And then uh, afterwards, you know, it was, it was I processed it. And I went in the kitchen, made coffee, and I walked out the back part of my apartment where there's nothing but 
green and trees. And I was standing there. It was actually kind of funny because all of the stuff I'd read, I'm looking for outside. I'm like, where is it? Where's the stuff I just read? It was nowhere near me. It was mm-hmm. just trees. It was a stunning day. There was a lot of clouds, a lot of sun. And I just thought, so I, I read something that affected my existence. But when I got outside, I, I, I couldn't find it. <laughs> like, where was it? It doesn't exist right there in your world. Yeah, yeah That's so it, powerful, Miles. That's it cool. didn't exist immediately. Yeah. And it didn't exist throughout the whole day. Came back in, made some food, went back out, went over to the restaurant where I hang out at. And none of the stuff that I read was in front of my face. And I think if people start to try to match their, their, their livable experience with what they're ingesting, they might see the gap. And if you can see the gap, you might find a place that's really calm and livable. Because when you walk outside, 90% of that stuff you do not see. It doesn't exist in any way that affects you immediately. It's all existential. So, yeah. Whoa, look at that. Philosopher. Yeah. Here he comes, Aristotle. And here's gonna the thing. drop my mic. Drop the Boom. mic and ruin the, the mic has been dropped. <laughs> hey, you know, I, I do think, Miles, what you're saying is so right. And what we're ingesting each morning, whether it's the the news briefs or the sports talk radio and people screaming about stuff. What about what if we just listen to a good podcast that uplifts us? What if we right. take in yeah. take in some music instead of the the hard rock, maybe turn on some classical, read some scripture, do something where you meditate, pray, stretch, do some yoga, take a walk. Now, here's the other question. What if you walked outside and everything around you was happening like that? The question now becomes, can we turn inwards to say to ourselves, can I still be happy in the misery that's around me? And the other question would also be, if I can't turn inwards and find happiness, can I turn outward and serve others? Because Mm -hmm. when we forget ourselves through the service of others, that's a promise in and of itself to the community and to the world. And that will save ourselves in so many ways when we serve others, even amidst the crazy uh, life that we're in the midst of right now. So if you're like, I can't go outside and serve somebody because they're scared, I'm going to give them a, a, you know, COVID or something. Well, okay, then go on social media, make a few nice comments, right. you know, go to somebody's post and like it, just do yeah. some service. If somebody wrote right. a book, review it instead of going to the restaurant and being mad that the service was bad and writing a bad review, go give them an extra big tip. And then tell them they're doing a good job and write a positive review about what you experienced. Are mm-hmm. we only writing negative reviews? Are we only thinking about the, the unfortunate events of our lives? Part of the promise in my world is my proclamation to spread joy. And that's why I wrote that book. This is one and of the major choice. Victor Frankl's book. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. True. That's one of, yeah. That's one of the main themes in Victor Frankl's. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautifully yeah. said. Big, big part of it, and I think it's it's about taking action. And Jason, when you talk about do some do some things that are active, be fit. Far too many people are not living in their own bodies. I think, like Miles is talking about, it's an existential crisis. And then once you start to exercise, you you become part of your own body again. We separate ourselves from our body far too often. We start slamming down some cake or. Um, 
you know, drinking that soda. We sit on the couch. We think we, we, we escape our own body. And when you're present in your own body, you actually become aware of more of the nuances. And I think that that is one of the things where when you're talking about that you journal and you get this stuff out and then you exercise, you become more uh, in tune. You become more aware of what's happening in the body. We experience life through our body. Those soul moments happen in the body. The uh, moments of inspiration, they happen in the mind, which is part of the body. Uh, comedy, it, it's in the heart and it's in the gut, right? We, we, we feel those things. So I love how you're talking about those, uh, those different aspects of it. Well, Jason, we are, we're coming uh, close to the, to the end of the podcast. Now I want to run through some rapid fire questions um, as we, uh, as we wrap up here. Um, But I'm going to start off a little bit different than we start our rapid fire questions. Uh, I want to do one specifically for you. Uh, So you ready to go on the rapid fire? Let's do it. All right. So you are now the second person on the Evolve podcast to be inducted into a Hall of Fame. We had a Hall of Fame mascot, uh, John Absey. John Absey. (laughs) You are now the second (laughs) Hall of Famer on the Evolve podcast. Uh, How did it feel when you got inducted into the Hall of Fame? It was the scariest thing that's happened to me other than being a husband and father. And here's why, because all of a sudden your peers consider that you've made it and Mm. you still don't think you have. And so at that time I was thinking to myself, Oh man, I've been proven everyone wrong my whole life. Now I have to prove them right. Scary. Yeah. Yeah. Great answer. Uh, Let's talk disruption. How do you disrupt your life in order to spark new growth? Oh man, uh, I love disruption in the terms of whether it was my career this last year where every single gig that I had and my entire income was gone in March of 2020. I lost mm-hmm. all my events as a full-time speaker. So the disruption became what is behind me right now as a virtual studio. I did over a hundred events from my house last year in 2020. 2021, I've done a ton of them as well, including today. But the disruption within disruption we can either manufacture it or we can fall into it. And it's our choice as to how we respond to that. But the disruption for me is whether it's changing my career and becoming a coach, which I now do a lot of coaching for speakers and executives and do a lot Mm. of, you know, that sort of thing about promise culture or promise leadership in a business to even what I'm doing with my body right now, the ultimate disruption for me, I'm intermittent fasting. And I love that. Right. I'm, uh, I mean, I'm only doing the two to six o'clock eating every day and I'm only eating, I'm on the Casey rough plan, which is I'm only eating the beef with the butter and the, the fats. And dude, I'm telling you guys, I have lost so much body fat. It's the yeah. ultimate disruption. All I'm doing is yeah. drinking water. Uh, it's, I love it. Awesome. So it's a great tool for a lot of people. It's, uh, it's one of the most effective tools to help people to, uh, to get their bodies on track. Um, so Jason, personal evolution can sometimes be painful. How do you find enjoyment in the process? Oh man. I mean, there's nothing better than having your wife come and tell you, Hey, you need to change this about yourself so that you can get to another level. And mm. unless we're welcoming to that, and most of the time we fight whenever we receive criticism, but when it comes from somebody we trust and that we know loves us, there's nothing better than getting to that next level through somebody who helps us get there. 
beautiful perspective. Last one is that we really never stop evolving. What do you do to show yourself compassion along the way? I have a really hard time with that. Uh, I've, I'm so driven to achieve that oftentimes I push myself into a place of exhaustion, burning at both ends. And so that's one of the reasons I wrote the promise to the one, which is the promise to yourself within that book. Uh, people will realize how many stupid things I've done and broken promises I've not <laughs> kept to myself. And so I'm constantly evolving by, by reanalyzing each day. And at the end of a work day, I'll say, okay, I'm stopping at five. Let's say five o'clock is my end. What can I do today that I haven't done yet? That is for me. Hmm. Can I go outside? Can I go on a hike? Can I throw the ball with my son? Can I go take my daughter driving? Cause she's trying to learn how to do that. As long as we're continually evolving ourselves, we're keeping the promise. I love it. Well, and on that note, folks, it is time for us to wrap up another Evolve podcast. I uh, want to thank our guest, Jason Hewitt, uh, and my co-host, W. Miles Riley, for joining us today. We've had a great conversation, and we hope that you, our evolutionary listeners, took something with you that will help you on your personal evolution. Uh, Jason, I mean, you, you look great, my friend. So great to have you on. I'd love for people to be able to connect with you as you continue on your personal evolution. What's the best way for people to follow you and connect with you? Hey, I'm on LinkedIn. That's probably my favorite place right now. I'm also on Instagram, Facebook, etc. But just go to jasonhewlett.com, H-E-W-L-E-T-T. And like I said, if your listeners want to get the icmprocess.com they just go to icmprocess.com they'll get a worksheet sign up for a video and equally i've already paid for their book if they want to just pay for shipping and handling i'd send them a book so thanks for having me what a joy yeah awesome and i've got to pick up your new book i read the promise or excuse me i read the the first one signature I just blanked moves how to signature stand moves. sit down world. <laughs> yes I still have that. And I uh, have read that uh, multiple times. I need to pick up the new one. Uh, so appreciate that. And folks. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, make sure that you do follow Jason. Uh, uh, hey, Miles, what's new at Evolve? Well, my shirt right now, my shirt, my disrupt, disrupt. shirt. I know for the last couple of months, we've uh, been highlighting the Evolve Your Soul shirt. But I think we're going to move to the disrupt. It is time to disrupt habitual patterns, habitual patterns of movement, habitual patterns of thinking. I think it is time for us to feature the disrupt t-shirt, disrupt your thinking, disrupt everything. Ask yourself, who is the antagonist of yourself? And then have a dialogue with that antagonism. So go on out, go to the shop, pick up a disrupt t-shirt and disrupt who you are. I gotta tell you, every time I wear my disrupt t-shirt to the gym, it when I look in the mirror, I tend to do different things on that day because I'm a habitual person. I do a lot of the same things in the gym. And when I wear my disrupt t-shirt, it reminds me that I've got to disrupt my routine on that day. So thanks, Miles. Uh, and hey folks, do me a favor, will you? Uh, if you like this episode, share it with your friends, your shares, your likes. <laughs> um, they, they help us to continue to grow. Uh, but remember, it does take time and consistency for you to evolve. Uh, but of course, you have to follow Miles' advice and disrupt in order to evolve your mind, evolve your body, evolve your soul, and evolve your tribe. 
You are fantastic. But uh, now it's time for you to get out there and evolve. Evolve. <laughs>